You are listening to the official Acts 2 podcast. For more information and resources, please visit our website at www.acts2orlando.com. Thank you, wonderful people. How are we doing this morning? Okay, I got like three people over here, two back there, so let's all work on this together. My wife and I serve the youth here. We love them, and they are very good at responding to us. We have taught them well, so we just need to coach you guys a little bit. So when I say, how are you doing, I actually like an answer. So how are you doing? There we go. Great. Thank you. Tired? Yeah. I understand that sometimes, but um, oh man, what to do, what to do. I have a message, and then I got another one, Um, so we're going to see what happens here, but I just want to start off by just, um, I just want to, this past Thursday and Friday, Andrew and I, well, Thursday night and Friday, Andrew and I got to go and uh, be a part of, there's an organization that we're, I'm ordained through and that we're covered through, and Andrew's associated with them as well, and we got to go hang out with them, and it's a bunch of pastors and a bunch of people that really, really love Jesus. And um, it was a time for them just to encourage us and go after, you know, hey, this is what the Lord is doing. Do you want to be a part of it? And we're like, well, yes. (laughs) Um, So that's good news. We want to be a part of what the Lord's doing. Um, But while we were there, it's just such an awesome, the, the organization is called Family Discipleship Ministries. And it's such an awesome time of family being together. There's some of these guys that I've been doing this with now for seven years. There's some of them I've been doing it with for 15 years. And its roles have shifted from me being a student that they were helping lead to to now me being with them and us running in ministry together. But there's something that happens when the people of God come together with one call and one mission. And it's something that's really powerful and it's something that's really good. And so we do that here also. We go after that as well. But I just want you to know there's a lot of people going after the same stuff. There's a lot of people going after the same stuff and going after what's good and what God's doing. And so be encouraged in that, but also be encouraged that in family there's life. And be encouraged that in family there's reality. And in family there's truth, there's peace, and there's love. We were singing that song this morning, um, Stand in Your Love by Josh Baldwin. It's a good one. I love it. But I was, as we were singing it, I just had to stop for a moment, and I was like, do we fully understand what it means and looks like to stand in his love? We say it, right? We have a saying around here. We haven't said it as much lately, but we said it uh, years ago. Love or fear. Love. Yeah, we say that a lot, and we say these things a lot, and we just taught on what love looks like in youth, and um, it was it was from the perspective of what does maturity and love look like in the Bible. Perfect love casts out fear, therefore fears in your life, then maybe you still have some areas in your life that you need to get rid of to walk maturely in love. And going after some of those things together, but as we were singing that, I was like, what does it look like to truly stand in the love of the Father? And it challenged me because I was like, so often we feel like it has to look like something, right? Like, this is what I did one time when I felt the love of the Father, so I'm going to do that again. But let me tell you, he loves to speak to us in new ways. He loves to come after us in brand new ways that we haven't yet determined and that we haven't yet understood. And so when we step out in that and we say, yes, I want to truly stand in your love, then you get to step into this moment of standing there. And it's not just this passive moment, but it's this active thing that we're doing of pursuing him. And in that time, we get to experience him in a new way. And in that moment, we get to have freedom that comes into our life and truly take stuff away and not just take it away for a moment but truly get rid of it and chains that are broken that don't come back on. And so I think it's good for us to always, when we're singing songs and going through that stuff, to ask the Lord, what are you saying in this moment? What are you saying through these lyrics that have been sung over thousands of people? What are you saying right now through that? Because so often we can just get caught up in the emotion of it. Has anybody ever gotten caught up in the emotion of worship? I mean, music itself is an emotional thing. Music itself speaks to us emotionally. And so when we're going after the, going after the Lord and worship together, it's going to speak something to us. And so when you feel those things coming, stop and ask him what he's doing. 
Like this morning, I love what Jay led us through. This is how I fight my battle. So often, as believers, we think it's wielding a sword and slinging it around, right? But no, where is it? It's coming into that perfect, restful place in him. And truly submitting to him in that moment and saying, yes, I'm giving this to you right now, Jesus. I'm giving this to you right now, Jesus. This thing that's in front of me, I'm not going to throw a sword at it. I'm not going to throw a stone at it because you're much bigger than I am. And you can take care of that much better than I can. And so we get the opportunity to allow him to minister to us and to love us. Isn't that a wonderful thing? Great. For two or three of you, it is. (laughs) All right, take your Bibles and turn to John chapter 6. I don't need this. <laughs> I'm giving Bube a moment to go there as well. I want to talk to us this morning about bread. I want to talk to us this morning about hunger and what it looks like to be hungry. And what it looks like to have the bread of life come in front of us and have the possibility and the option to partake of it. Okay, are we good to go there this morning? All right, John chapter 6, we're going to start on verse 22 here in a minute. But as I um, (laughs) I have a four-year-old son, almost four, he'll be four in May. He's not three and a half, so I don't know, three and three quarters now. Everybody asking, I'm like, he's too old to say how many months he is, so he'll be four in May. And I have a daughter that'll, well, wrong watch, but I have a daughter that'll be 10 months on the 29th. I think that's next week or the next week, something like that. And um, I understand what it's like for kids to be hungry now. (laughs) As a child, I obviously was hungry, but I didn't realize it. I was like, hey, I get hungry, they give me food. Now I have a better understanding of what it looks like when a child is hungry because they want to eat all the time. So every night, my son, we give him dinner. Yes, we do. (laughs) Be proud of us. We learned that feed them. Um, but we'll give him dinner. He'll sit there and one of his favorite things is spaghetti. And one night Bella came to watch him when he was young, probably a year and a half, two years old. And and he was going to have spaghetti that night. And we said, now Bella, (laughs) you're going to give him what you think is enough. Then give him some more and then give him more than that. And then he's going to ask for another bowl. And that's exactly what happened. So he had his favorite food in front of him, and this big bowl of spaghetti, and he just chows down on it. Now, here's one thing that we learned as parents. Don't give them the long noodles, right? They go everywhere. They go up their nose. You never know where they're going to go. <laughs> and we're gluten-free, so there's not as many options, but we always go with, like, a, the elbows or the, the, the penne pasta, right, because he can scoop it with a spoon <laughs> and one bite, put the whole thing in his mouth and not have a strand of pasta hanging to the floor out of his mouth but he'll go through that he'll eat that entire thing and then 10 minutes after dinner after he eats all of that he goes hey what can I have for a snack (laughs) my goodness son that's why we eat our dinner I know I ate my dinner dad I want a snack now so what we switched into is like we call it a milkshake but it's um it's some vitamins and some protein and milk and those kind of things that's good for him but man he is hungry And he carries this hunger with him everywhere he goes. He's in that pre-K room right now asking for a snack. I used to carry them in my backpacks, not for me, but for him. And I think there's something to that. There's something to childlike faith, right? We're supposed to be more like a child. We're supposed to be more like children. And so often we step back and say, oh, no, I'm not supposed to do that now. That's what he does. That's what my son does. He goes after wanting food all the time. And now I'm like, oh, wait, food is bad for me. Not really, but we get into that place of where we're examining everything that we eat and what we partake. And some people go to that place of, I'm not going to eat anything because it's bad for me, right? And then sometimes it's, I'm only going to eat certain things. I'm only going to go certain directions with what I'm eating. And this applies, I promise, I think. And um, as we go to those places and as we go those directions, you know, we forget some of the things that fed us before. We forget some of the stuff that was meant to nourish our bodies. We forget some of the aspects of what we have that we have the opportunity to go after. And so come come with me to John chapter 6. I'm in the English Standard Version if you are on your phone and want to be the same as me this morning. Um, On the next day, the crowd, okay, so right before this, Jesus feeds like 5,000 people. 
No big deal, right? On the next day, the crowd that remained on the other side of the sea saw there had only been one boat there and that Jesus had not entered the boat with his disciples, but that his disciples had gone away alone. Other boats from Tiberias came near the place where they had eaten the bread after the Lord had given thanks. So when the crowd saw that Jesus was not there, nor his disciples, they asked themselves, and, uh, or they got into boats, rather, and went to Capernaum seeking Jesus. So in this moment, they have had a very physical need met. All these people love Jesus. They love what he's doing. They love what he's bringing. But they were hungry. And so Jesus steps up and meets their physical need with a couple of loaves and some fish. And so the people are like, okay, this is cool. This dude can multiply food. Let's go follow him and we will not be hungry because he can multiply food. It's like that movie. Have y'all seen the movie, um, It's Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs? Sometimes I'm not sure. We have kids, so that's all the movies we watch. And sometimes people will be like, Andy, you know there's more out there. And I'm like, I don't know. This is what I watch. Cloudy with a chance of meatballs. But, um, (laughs) you know, they're following Jesus because they're expecting that same thing to happen, that daily food is going to fall. Daily food is going to come. You see, in the Old Testament, right, that actually did happen, right? Bread is falling from heaven. They're grabbing it. They're shoving it aside because they're like, oh, we don't want this to run out living in a scarcity mindset and carrying that slave-minded poverty mindset that they had while they were captives in Egypt. But Jesus and God is saying, hey, I'm giving you everything you need right now. Just simply take it, eat it that day, eat it all that's in front of you that day because tomorrow there's more coming. Tomorrow there's more for you, right? And so they were trying to shove it all to the side and say, we're going to eat a little bit today so that we make sure we have more tomorrow because we're just not sure this is going to keep going on. And these people kind of were following that. They're like, hey, we were hungry. He gave us food. Let's go find him. He can do it again, right? (laughs) When they found him, good job, people. When they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, rabbi, which means... Teacher, when did you come here? Why do they ask that? Why do they ask him, when did you come here? Because they wasn't in the boat. He didn't go with the disciples, right? People are smart. People notice things. And I, but seriously, I feel like sometimes we, we overlook things like that in Scripture. It's not in red. It's not italicized. It's not a heading. But they sat there, and they're like, okay, he just fed us food. There was one boat. He didn't get in it. How the heck did he get here? Right? We read it from the context of those simple words that we see, but they were humans. They had thoughts, right? Yes. Right? So they literally are like, how did you get here? Not, oh, holy one, how did you arrive at this destination? (laughs) So when you read the scripture, read it with that lens of these were people. These stories were about people, and there's good stuff in that. So Jesus answered them. He said, truly I say to you, verse 26, truly I say to you, oh, sorry, truly, truly I say to you, you are seeking me not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of loaves. So Jesus comes at him and he says, listen, you're not coming after me because of the miraculous. You're not coming after me because of what I did. You're coming after me because you got full on bread and you want some more. Do not labor for food that perishes, but for the food that endures eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you. For on him, God the Father has set the seal. Don't go after the bread that's been laid out in front of you yesterday. Because you're just trying to fill a need that's going to be very temporary. Right? When I go home and I eat lunch today, it's leftover Sunday. Take everything out of the fridge and eat it all. But when I go home and I eat lunch today, I'm going to eat it and I'm going to enjoy it. It's going to be good. But guess what? Three, four o'clock rolls around. I'm hungry again. Why? Because I'm eating food that can perish. I'm eating food that can go away. Well, Jesus turns back to them and he says, don't work for that. You came all the way over here just so you could get more bread. And there's more. What I have to offer you is more. What I have to give to you is more. And so what Jesus is doing is instilling in them a hunger to be with him. 
a hunger to live in his presence, a hunger to go after Jesus and what he has for them and taking it back away from the place of I'm going to come and get my needs met to a place of I'm going to come and I'm going to live in abundance. Because when they're showing up simply to have their needs met and for their stomachs to be filled, right? When they're showing up for that, yes, that did happen, but that also went away. But when you show up with the mindset of, I'm going to live in abundance, so I'm going to go after Jesus. I'm not going to go after the bread that he brings necessarily, but rather I'm going to go after the person. And so what I feel like we have done as a church, not as this church, as the church, the body of Christ, right? Every denomination, everyone. What we have done is we've taken that down, and I feel like we only eat of certain parts, there's lots and lots of different loaves of bread, right? Yes. I can only eat the gluten-free ones, so I'm quite limited on those. But um, I do know there's a lot of different types of bread. There's a lot of stuff out there, right? There's a lot of stuff that's really good, and there's some stuff that's not. But I feel like we have taken time, we have taken it to where we only want to eat of one specific thing, right? We take a step back and we go, I only am going to partake of this part of Jesus. Because that's where it all comes back to. That's where it all is found, is in him, right? So we look at Jesus' life and we say, I'm only going to take part of this aspect of what Jesus did. For some people, that's prayer. I'm only going to spend time praying in front of the Lord for hours and hours and hours, which is beautiful, which is wonderful, the guy that spoke to us on Thursday and Friday, he requires that everyone on his staff spends two hours with the Lord every day. It doesn't mean they have to necessarily be praying the whole time. They don't have to, but worship, attention, and affection on him. Why? Because he wants everything that's coming out of them to come from him. <clears throat> and so that's helpful. But there's also this aspect of the word of God, <clears throat> right? the word of God and having a hunger for that and having the desire to want to consume the word of God. Then you have something that we are crazy about here and that's the presence of the father because it's in his presence that things change. It's in his presence that people are healed. It's in his presence that we see transformation. Why? Because that's what he does. And so that's one thing that we go after really strong is the presence of the Father because through that comes transformation and through that comes fruit in our lives. But if we, take, if, we, if we look at the table in front of us and we only sit in one seat, we're missing out on the full banquet that he's laid in front of us. And God has this desire for us to be able to partake of all of him, of everything that he has to bring to us. And here's the deal. How many of you have done, uh, or how many of you have started the year off with changing your eating habits? I, actually, I didn't. I was just raising my hand so y'all would know what to do with that. Um, <coughs> I'm still sticking on the Christmas diet. Um, <coughs> if you stick on that too long, it's not good. So it is January. So we did take our Christmas stuff down, so I should move on, right? <coughs> Um, that's why I'm using this this morning. So I didn't just blast all of your eardrums. So here's the deal with that. As I was thinking about that concept of how, what we eat is what we desire. What we consume is what we crave, right? I, if I go and I eat a pizza, gluten-free pizza, vegan cheese. I know, weird, right? It is weird. It feels fake, but imitate something that I love. But if I go and eat that pizza, right? And people say it's healthy. I'm like, no, <laughs> it's not. But I'll go eat that pizza. You know what I'm craving the next day? Pizza. Again, if I go and I eat tacos, oh, come on somebody. <clears throat> See what I'm doing is stirring up a hunger in y'all for lunch. <clears throat> and I'll have my personal food truck parked outside. No, I'm just kidding. Um, if I go and I eat tacos, eventually that's what I start wanting. I want more tacos. I want more tacos because that's what I'm consuming, and so that's, therefore that's what I'm craving, right? Sugar, the, like the biggest drug that's not a drug is sugar, right? You start eating a little bit of sugar, and then what happens? I need all the sugar, and you just get literally addicted to it. 
but it's that thing that you're consuming is what you're craving. And so God has laid out a full banquet table in front of us. And if we're only consuming one part of that, that's good. We're craving that part of that. But if we are consuming the entire gamut of what he's laid in front of us, the whole person of Jesus, then we are craving the fullness that he was and the fullness that he operated in. And that's when we begin to see a shift and a change change, not only in us, but in those around us as well. And I think that's... I think that's a, a, a very key aspect when it comes to looking at the church and come to looking at ourselves individually and saying, I want to create a hunger inside of me that is for the fullness that Jesus has to offer. Yes, we want to see miracles. Yes, we want to see prophecy. I mean, you come to this church, there's a solid chance you're going to get prophesied over every single week by half the people in this room because it's something that we crave and that we hunger and that we go after because it's the word of the Lord. It's the truth that he has for us. But if that's the only thing we did here, then we would be ripping you off. Because Jesus has so much more that he wants to bring to us. And he tells the people, you came here for this, but I would like to give you this. Thank you. I would like to give you water. Where were we in John? Well, I'm just going to go back to where I want to go to. Verse 28, we'll go there. Then they said to him, what must we do? (laughs) What must we do to be doing the works of God? These people had no idea. This was brand new for them, right? So they're looking at Jesus going, okay, we came for food, but you say you're not going to give us that. You're going to give us something better than that. So what do we have to do to get that? (laughs) And too often we operate out of a formula rather than out of intimacy in a relationship with a person. So often we operate out of this place of, I'm going to create this formula that then in turn changes things for me. It changes the way I experience God. And we create this formula. What works must I do to have this that you're talking about, Jesus? Instead of simply stepping into it and saying, you say I'm your child. You say that I am your son. You say I am your daughter. I want everything you have. And then it looks different, and you're like, okay, that's fun. I learned a new thing about you today. I learned a new aspect of who you are because I wasn't just simply going for a formula. I was going for a person. Going for a person. Jesus answered him, them, and he said, this is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he has sent. So these people's minds are just blowing right now. They're like, what is happening here? (laughs) You just fed 5,000 people. We watched that. A boat went over there. You weren't on it, but somehow you got over here. And now you're telling us this is all that we have to do. Believe in the one whom God has sent. And in that comes power. In that comes presence. In that comes transformation. In that comes encounters. Believing in the one whom he has sent and the one that he has brought. So they say back to him, okay, then what sign do you do? What sign do you do that we may see and believe you? Again, they're going back to, we need a formula. We need to see something in front of us. We need to see in order to believe what's going on. What work do you perform? (laughs) Our fathers ate the manna in the wilderness as it is written. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. So, (laughs) we talked about that a little bit earlier. God literally gave them bread from heaven to eat. And they're still sitting here saying, what do we have to do in order to get that? What do we have to do in order to, to receive that bread from heaven that is eternal life, that is good, that is fullness. What do we have to do to receive that? And Jesus simply comes back and he tells them, listen, if you were trying to work for it, then you're trying to do. But if you simply just want it, then just be. But here's the deal. It's not a passive being. (laughs) It's not a passive being where you're just going to sit in the corner and be like, all right, bring me all you got, God. It's a continual pursuit of him. It's a continual pursuit of his presence. 
It's a continual pursuit of his word, a continual pursuit of relationship with him. Because from relationship with him stems the fruit of life, stems the bread that we get to consume. So it's not a formula of go sit in this chair in this spot with this candle lit, with this music playing for 35 minutes, and for 12 minutes of it do this, and for 13 minutes of it do this, and for the last 10 minutes, no. I lost the math. But for the last few minutes of it, you do this, and now you will be full. Because when you're working from a formula, it's more just like you're eating a hamburger, and a little bit later on, you might be hungry again. Jesus said back to them, truly, this is verse 32, truly, truly, I love how he always says that. Two things I love he says, I don't tell a lie. I tell you the truth. I'm like, okay, that's good. And then he just says things like this. Truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but my father gives you the true bread from heaven. Again, he is shifting their view of him. This moment is critical for the church. It's critical for these people that are following him because he's shifting their perspective from here to there. He's saying, I am the one whom he has sent. Look back up there and you'll see that I am his. Look up there and you will see what I have to offer. Look up there and you will see what I have to give. For the bread of, verse 33, for the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Again, this statement is pretty bold, right? He gives life to the world, which insinuates what? That the world's dead. It's insinuating that the world needs life. It's insinuating that the presence of God must be there. Jesus himself must be there in person, right? That's what he's doing in this moment. He's there in person, and he is changing the way they view God. He's changing the way they experience him, and they're changing the way that they get filled up because they are simply seeking him. He gives life to the world. And they say back to him, verse 34, sir, give us this bread always. So now it seems like they're beginning to get it, right? It seems like they're beginning to start to understand that this life that they're talking about, this bread that he's talking about is different from that bread that he gave us yesterday, which let's just pause and think about that for a second. I just thought about this. How good was that bread? I mean, come on. I know in making bread, because there's a TV show that I watch that they bake on all the time, it's fun. I like it. I I can't do it, but it's fun. But I know it's chemistry, right? I know it's chemistry. I know making bread is chemistry. You got to mix all the right stuff together, and you got to sift the flour sometimes, and you got to add leaven and yeast and different things to make it rise. You got to let it sit and all that stuff. So it's this whole chemical reaction that happens. Imagine how good the bread was from the one who created that. That's what they had the day before. So not only was it, yes, our bellies were empty, now they are full, but oh my goodness, that was good. Where can I get some more of that, right? That's where these people are, but now they're coming to this, now was a, a rewind, now we'll come back to where we are now. And so, sir, how do we have this bread always? And Jesus looks at them and he's like, okay, you're starting to get it, so I'm going to lay it out there for you. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Does it need to go any further than that? I know that verse goes further and I'm going to go further, but let's just pause in that moment. Let's just pause in that moment of he is the bread of life. Yeah. I am the bread of life. Now he's going to bring in some upside down thinking to them, right? Whoever comes to me shall not hunger. And whoever believes in me shall not thirst. But I said to you that you have seen me and yet do not believe. All that the father gives me will come to me. And whoever comes to me, I will never cast out. And he is laying out a beautiful picture here for them. 
For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but to do the will of the one who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing of all that he has given me, but raise it up on the last day. Mm-hmm. He's a teacher, but he's also a prophet. For this is the will of my father, that everyone who looks on the son and believes in him should have eternal life. And I will raise him up on the last day. It's just like the Jews to get mad after that, right? At, at the time, not, not at the time. It was just like the Jews at the time to get upset with that and be like, how can he say that? How can he say he is the one who has been sent from heaven? But those that were open to it understood it. Why? Jesus created a hunger in them that they could not satisfy with bread alone. Jesus created and stirred up a hunger and a desire in them that they were unable to satisfy outside of him. And those that got it followed him. Those that got it are part of the ones who shifted and changed culture, who shifted and changed the world, right? Because they understood he is the bread of life. They understood he's not actually talking about food. (laughs) I mean, imagine when he starts telling this and he starts saying, yeah, I'm actually not going to give you bread today. There are more than likely people that left, right? I've been on mission trips around the world and people will come and they realize we're not necessarily giving anything out at that moment. Some of them leave because they're coming to have a physical need met. They're coming for a moment rather than a movement. They're coming for a moment of feeling satisfied to only be feeling empty again later, right? And so what happens here, Jesus steps into the picture. He gives them food. He gives them bread. And he says, now come, be hungry. But also he says, you'll never hunger again. Do you think he was sitting there and he was saying, this emptiness and this voidness that you feel sometimes from lack of food, but that emptiness and voidness that you feel sometimes will go away when you're partaking in me. Because I will bring you fullness. I will bring you life. I'm going to bring you life and life more abundantly. I'm going to give you something that you cannot quench. Right, And so that's the beautiful thing about our relationship with him and how we pursue him in heaven, right? That's what we do. We pursue him on earth as it is in heaven. So we are pursuing him in front of us now, but that's heaven, right? That's what we operate from. That's how we go forth in the world and change it. I like that. And so that's how we do it because we understand this principle that he is the bread of life. So I want to go back to our banqueting table that we have in front of us, right? I just view it like Thanksgiving. It's like this massive spread. Although my family never put it on the table. So I see that in movies and pictures, and I'm like, is that actually how it goes? Does anybody do that? Does all the food actually go on the table? Two? Raise your hand if the food actually goes on the table. Nice. I like that. Part of it is my family back home, there's like 30 of us. So we don't have a table that big. But... Anyways, I've just always, that's how, that's what I'm picturing is that moment that I've never had at Thanksgiving of all the food on the table in front of me and, um, and just sitting there and now listen, this banqueting table is a special place, right? Because in their day, in the times that this was written in Jesus's life, the meal wasn't simply to satisfy a need of being hungry, but it was a time for the family to come together. It was a time for family to come and to sit and to partake and to break bread together. And so it was more than a meal. It was more than food. It was filling for them because they're getting there and they're having the chance to share with each other. They're having the chance to be together, to be the family rather than just to sit there and be like, I would like another turkey leg, please. Which I don't like turkey legs. There's so many things in it. But... We find ourselves in that place of we're back at the banqueting table, right? And it's full of everything that God has for us. But sometimes, sometimes we go to one part of it and we grab it and be like, ooh, that's good. Just like they did. They're like, yeah, that bread that we had yesterday is like anything we've ever had before. I would like some more, please. And can I get some to go? 
But then if we take a step back and, and, and quit being so singularly focused and be like, oh, wait, there's more to Jesus. There's more that he has for me. And then you come over here and it's like, oh, look, mashed potatoes. Come on, somebody. Mashed potatoes. See, here's the best kind of mashed potatoes, right? When you have leftovers and you take them out and you can see the butter in them. That's the best kind of mashed potatoes. Maybe a little too much butter. I don't know. But you get that. And then it's like, oh, green beans. Who does that? Yeah, I like green beans. They're fun. Point is, when we take a step back and we look at all that God has for us, right? When we look at the person of Jesus and all that he has for us, and then we begin to partake of that, things begin to shift. Things begin to change. Now, here's the deal. What Jesus says, you will never be hungry again, but also that hunger should never be satisfied. Too often, we as believers could become complacent and satisfied in where we are, or complacent and satisfied in the way that we experience him, or complacent and satisfied in the way that we encounter him, that we fail to take the step back and say, what else do you have for me, Jesus? We fail to take that step back and be like, oh, I would like this also. And he's like, yes, take that. That is good. (laughs) Because here's the deal with that banqueting table. The more you eat of it, the more you want. The more you consume, the more you desire. We talked about that earlier. The more sugar you eat, the more sugar you're going to want. It's a principle that's built inside of us, right? And so when we pursue and want to consume him and we stir that hunger up in us for him, then that's what we begin to crave. And it's, you don't leave moments satisfied, you leave moments fulfilled. You leave moments, so I get up, I try to get up at like six every morning, and that time looks different for me every day. Sometimes it's cracking open a book and reading it, sometimes it's throwing worship on, worshiping, sometimes it's reading the Bible, spending time in the word of the Lord, but when I leave those moments, I feel, I feel like I, was, I got out of my cocoon and now I'm a beautiful butterfly. But I leave that moment because children wake up sometime, sometime early usually. But um, children wake up and I leave that moment being like, oh, man, I wish I had five minutes more. I wish I had ten minutes more. I wish I had an hour more. Or it's like the kids get up and it's like, oh, I can read my Bible on my phone while they're playing. Or I can continue this. And so it's not this place of I'm going in the morning to be filled. I'm going in the place in the morning to stir up more. More of a desire for him. More of a desire for the person of Jesus to be real in my life. And once we begin to do that, then we can begin to walk like he walked. And talk like he talked, right? Pursuing the Father, pursuing Jesus is one thing that we were created to do. And he pursues us. That was my actual message for today, but we'll do that one another day. And so, um, yeah, what I want to do this morning is stir up a hunger. A hunger in you all, a hunger in myself, a hunger in us to go after the more. To go after the fullness of the Father to go after the banqueting table that he has laid before us and just be able to go for it and say, yes, I want this. And then you get it. And it's like, yes, Jesus, I want more of you. And he's like, okay, we'll look to your left. Oh, there's more of you. I want that also. But here's the deal. Where do you find the most out about the person of Jesus? In the B-I-B-L-E. That's the book for me. In there we're able to dig in and find and see the person of Jesus working. Yes, he can show us himself as well, but this is here for us to be that. So stirring up a passion and desire for his word is something that's crucial to our knowing him, right? So when I met my wife, before I met her, actually, I went and... um, added her as a friend on Facebook, because that's what you do first, right? Before you meet, you become friends. There's some backstory to that, but um, she came, spoke at my youth group the one time I was sick, and um, I wasn't there. My sister comes home and says, hey, you got to marry this girl. My brother says, I don't know. And then I'm like, well, I'm going to look her up and see what she's like, and I click add her on Facebook, and where did I go to? About me. I want to know what she was about. 
What is she telling the world about herself? And from there, she sent me a message, and the rest is history. We got married. We have two beautiful children. We love each other. But this is the about me that God has for us. This is the about me that we get to dive into and we get to pursue. Right? This is his description. (laughs) And this is where he has so much truth for us. And I feel like sometimes as believers, we become complacent and satisfied with knowing what's in there. I've read that story before. I know about Jonah and the whale. But here's the deal. This isn't just words on a page. Right? We believe that this is alive in us because of Holy Spirit in us. And so as we are diving into the about me that God laid out there for us, we're diving into who he is, but we're also receiving more and more as we read it. Right? The words don't change, but the way Holy Spirit can highlight stuff to us can. You'll read over a sentence and you'll be like, I've never read that before. And actually you have a hundred times, but this time God highlighted that to you and said, this is what you need in this moment. But when we stir up that passion, when we stir up that hunger for him, if we begin to realize, oh, wait a second, this thing I want, I can actually have this thing that I want. And as I go for it, I'm not actually going to get it filled, but I'm going to be fulfilled. There's a big difference in those two things. And as we stir up this passion and as we stir up this hunger, guess what? It's contagious. How many of you have been contending for someone to come to know Jesus? Would they want to eat what you're eating? Would they want a part of that? Or how many of you have been in a place of, I would love to know more about you, Jesus. Show me yourself. I'm coming after you, Jesus. And you just feel like you're kind of stuck. You don't have to raise your hands for that one. That's kind of personal. But (laughs) I want to challenge you with this. What are you eating? What are you putting in? There was a moment when I was in college I believe I was a sophomore. And I may have told this story in here. I don't know. I've told it a hundred times. I was a sophomore. And, um, I was in chemistry. Woohoo! Fun. And I was in the chemistry lab. Chemistry class, I killed. The lab, that was hard. Um, but I was in the chemistry lab, which is a separate course. It's just dumb. But um, separate course altogether. And I'm in there. And this professor lab man was not nice. <laughs> He was such a stickler about the way things were recorded and the way things were written that he would, there, there was this one time that literally the entire class failed the lab report. So we successfully do the lab. We do the lab and it's all good. We have the right results, but we just didn't write it like he wanted us to. So what do we do? Fail. And everyone around me is quite upset. The words that were flying around there, I don't repeat. I don't say, but here's the deal. Before that, not just that moment, I was a freshman actually because I just remember where I was when I was doing what I'm about to tell you. I was in this season where all I wanted was worship music. So I'd be sitting in my dorm room and I'd just hit play and go and I'd be like, yeah, this is good. So I'd be writing, doing homework, whatever, but I had the worship music going, right? It's what I was consuming. So in that moment when I was quite upset, Everyone around me was quite upset. What came out of me was different than what came out of them. Why? Because of what I was putting in is what was coming out. I opened my mouth to be like, this is garbage. (laughs) I would have said garbage, yes. But I I, I opened my mouth mad, and out of my mouth came praise God from whom all blessings flow. Strangest moment in all of my life. Literally, like, you know that, that feeling your face gets when you're mad? I can't do it now because I'm not mad. But that feeling that your face gets when you're mad and you're like, yeah, I'm mad. (laughs) Grr, grr, grr out loud. That's what Daniel Tiger would say. But no, that moment when I was upset and my face was mad. (laughs) My face was mad. I could feel the tension in my face of being mad. And I opened my mouth because what I wanted to say is this is garbage. This is dumb. Why did we get this? And literally it was praise God from whom all blessings flow. And I was like, 
What? <laughs> no, no, no. That's not at all what I'm thinking right now. And I try again to be mad. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. And I said, okay. <clears throat> Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Because you see, church, what was happening is what was consuming is what was coming out. What was going in is what was coming out. It's a funny principle, but it happens. Biology. But in that moment, what I was physically consuming the word of God, what I was going after in the spirit, what I was going after was him and worship. And that's what came out in that moment. In those times when I have felt like I was far from God, right? You know, you're never far from him. He's literally like, hey, I'm right here. You're just not looking at me. In those moments, I have to come back to what have I been consuming? What have I been putting in? What have I been surrounding myself with? What banqueting tables in front of me? Right? Because there's things at Thanksgiving that you really just should not eat much of. <laughs> For us, there's things that my wife physically cannot eat because she's allergic to them. What if we become that way as Christians where there's certain things that we simply don't go after because we're allergic to it? Because we have Holy Spirit living in us. And when we consume that, we feel different. We don't like it. But what you consume is what you crave. So if we're consuming something that's not of him, what is that going to lead us to? Things that are not of him. It's a simple principle, but I feel like we miss it so many times. So what I want to do is stir up a hunger in us as believers to go after the fullness that he has. To, to realize that he is the bread of life and eternal life comes through him. Eternal life is with him. And that's what we get to go for and that's what we get to go after. And from there, we will never be full, but we will be fulfilled. We'll never be satisfied but we'll be living in this place of craving more of him, craving more of all that he has for us, craving more of his word, craving more of his presence, craving more of his, the, the prophecies that we get to receive, craving seeing more healings, craving healing for ourselves. When we take Jesus and we look at him and say, yes, I want you. I want you fully. And that other stuff that I've been consuming, I'm going to put to the side because I don't need that. I don't want that. It's not fullness. It's not fulfilling. It may satisfy me for a moment, but it's going to leave me leaving rather empty and void later on. And so are we hungry? Are we hungry? Are we hungry for more of him? If somebody can come up here and do something, um, Andrew, all of you can come. This is going to be... Uh, Again, we're off script this morning, so let's just see where we land, right? But what I want for us to do this morning is really begin to ask him, am I hungry? <clears throat> am I hungry for more of you? There's an old worship song, and that's what it talks about over and over again. Am I hungry? Or it doesn't say, am I? It says, I am hungry. We are thirsty for more of you, Lord. Can we begin to stir that up in us? A hunger and a passion for him that's contagious. For those people that you've been contending for in prayer. For those relationships that you've been seeking restoration. For those uh, raises, bonuses, and benefits in your job. For these moments in your life that you have been striving for. What if we simply hunger for him and watch what happens? What if we simply consume him? Consume the word of God. Consume the presence of God. What begins to happen in our life from that moment? What change do we begin to see happen in our lives? What change do we begin to see happen in the lives around us? Because what you consume is what you're going to crave. So what have you been consuming? They're going to lead us in a time of worship and just a time. And I just want to encourage you just to ask that question. Take a moment and just ask that question within. What have I been consuming? What have I been craving? So you're going to ask yourself that question and just begin to take a look inside and, and be like, okay, I know I'm at the table because I'm yours, but what have I been missing out on from the fullness? 
I just had the guy that spoke at our conference a day and a half ago, Thursday and Friday. He um, imparted to all the communicators in the room. And it was like just, you know, an impartation of communication and those kind of things because he's brilliant. But when he got to Andrew and I, he started going more like prophesying over us. And we both got like totally blitzed and rocked by this guy. It was amazing. But that was something that he released over me. And he said, Andy, I can sense in the spirit that you're hungry. And I'm like, you are right. (laughs) I am hungry. And so he he released that over me, just more hunger. And I love that because one, he knew I was hungry, but two, he knew that it can never be satisfied. It can never be completely satisfied. And so we're going to also release that this morning. If you want more hunger for him, more hunger for the fullness of who he is. If you've been focusing on that turkey leg for far too long and you want some mashed potatoes also, we want to release that over you guys this morning. So I'm going to be up here and I can be a part of releasing that. We'll have Jay and the ministry team up here as well, just in releasing that. So if you want that, if you want that, if you look and you say, I've been consuming some of the wrong stuff and I want to get back to consuming the things that, so that I crave them, that they bring fulfillment in my life with Jesus. If you find yourself in that position, we'd love just to release hunger over you. And so they're going to lead us in a time of worship and we're going to be up here. And um, so, yeah, we'll be up here. You'll be there. It's going to be good. You ready? So right now, Jesus, just in our hearts in this moment, begin to highlight the areas in our life that we've been consuming. Show us the good parts of you that we've been consuming, Jesus. Show us those moments in our, in our lives and in our days where we've been consuming the right goods. And then, Jesus, show us what it looks like to be in more, to be in the fulfillment of the more in that moment. Yeah. We're going to dim the house lights a little bit. And it's just we're, what we're doing here is just creating this intimate environment for you to be there and to talk to the Lord about it. And then we're up here ready to release over you if you'd like that as well. So they're going to lead us and let's do this together. Thank you for listening to the Acts 2 podcast. Love God, love people, and live life.